Relationships are kind of like um, a sorting process, right? When uh, you're liked by, say, uh, your girlfriend's parents or your your girlfriend's uh, parents or, or whatever. You're liked, you're called a keeper, right? Right? Oh, girl, he's a keeper. Right? Oh, Brian, she's a keeper. Man, you know, my wife is from Georgia. I always got to bring out something about my wife and... My wife is from Georgia, and I lived in the down south for five years, so I really experienced, uh, you know, for those five years, uh, what it is to be southern. And there's a lot of rules down south when courting a woman. Man, I wasn't a Christian at the time when I met her, and uh, I was just really rough, you know, just this Yankee kid from the north. And, like, again, just a lot of rules. Things are done differently down there, and, man, I, I just learned so much. You know, you, you, you walk her to the, to the front door. You, you walk to the front door to get her, right? That was new to me. <laughs> I usually just drive up, wait in my car until she comes out, <laughs> right? You, you, you open the car door for her. That's, like, really simple. <laughs> Wasn't aware of that. No, I was, but here's some things down south. You know, when you bring her home, you should walk her to the front door. Like, you should actually get out of the car, and walk her to the front door. Yeah. And if not, if you don't do that, you don't drive off until she's in the house and you see that door close. Right? Something else I learned, too, was down south is you're walking down the sidewalk with her and the guy is supposed to walk on the side of the sidewalk, like, closest to the street. Right? <laughs> and also, when we got married... Here's a, new, here's a new one that I learned. The guy is supposed to sleep on the side of the bed closest to the door. Have you guys heard of these things? I never have. I haven't heard of these things until I went south. Guys, I kid you not, I failed all of them. I failed all of them. You know, as a kid, my dad's here right now. <laughs> as a kid, my parents always taught me the rules inside the house, right? Put your napkin on your lap and take your elbows off the dinner table, right? And all kinds of other things. And, you know, if you're going to get yourself a girlfriend, you need to take your elbows off the table. You need to put that napkin on your lap. You have some manners, Man, I learned all the manners on the inside of the house, but I didn't learn all the rules on the outside of the house. And what's the point in learning the rules inside of the house if you can't get, even get inside the house in the first place? <laughs> right? I broke all of the rules. Stephanie, she probably would have been well within her right to just cast me away. Right? She could have just casted me away. But instead, I made it inside the house. Because of grace. Because of grace. Grace. Yeah, as we look at the scripture today, not only do we learn about ourselves, uh, but more importantly, we learn about God. We learn about these, uh, these two characteristics of God that it's just kind of hard to process and it's hard to balance them, uh, these things about God, but we're going to learn about these two things. God is a judge and God's judgment and God is a grace giver. God is a deliverer. God's grace. 
And we're going to learn where we fit into all of this. But I really want us to you know, understand at the end of this sermon is just learning, not learning about ourselves, but learning about God. We need to understand who God is. We need to learn how he sees things. Because when we understand who God is and how he sees things, then that helps us learn where we fit in with God in our relationship with him. So, and we're going to find out, you know, are, are we a keeper? Are you a keeper? Who's a keeper? Who's not a keeper? We're going to learn these things. So let's pray before we get into the scripture. Lord, thank you for this time together uh, as a church. Uh, we can come together as a body and, and just center around Jesus and uh, learn your word. Um, God, it's all about your word. Um, that we just breathe it and take it in and we understand it and we grow in the knowledge of you. Um, and that's what we're doing here today, Lord. Um, just centering around you. And uh, we thank you and just we're grateful that we get to do this. Um, Lord, speak to us. Uh, let people see Jesus and, and not me. Uh, and hear Jesus and, and not me, Lord. Uh, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's get into the scripture here. This parable here. And it begins here in verse 47. Again. Okay? Again. If there could ever be a sermon for one word, we could probably do that. So for the last several weeks, we've been walking through a series of parables from Jesus. What is the kingdom of heaven like? The kingdom of heaven is like. He says that several times, and then he gives a parable. Interesting to, to me, as I've been reading through these uh, parables, is that you know Jesus isn't like, this is what it smells like, or this is what it looks like, or you know, this is how it feels. No, that's not what he's talking about. You know, the kingdom of heaven is like. It's basically Jesus, he's saying, guys, it doesn't matter what it's really like if, you're, if you can't get in. You need to know how to get in. <laughs> you need to understand how to get in. Don't worry about what it's like and how it feels and how it smells. I can assure you that it's awesome and it's magnificent and it's beyond any kind of description we could possibly give here. Just don't worry about that. You need to understand how we get in. So today is the last parable. It's not the last sermon in this sermon series. It's just the last parable as we've been going through these parables from Jesus. And it's a similar parable as the wheat and the weeds that Keith preached uh, several weeks ago. It's a very similar parable. And if you, if you remember, after that parable, the disciples actually had a little bit of a lack of understanding uh, of that parable. And it's almost as if now in this scripture, Jesus is like, guys, I can't tell you enough how important this is. Let me put it another way. So first he gives us the wheat and the weeds, and now he's going to give us this way in the scripture. Guys, this is, of, this is paramount. How do we access the kingdom of heaven? What is it like? How do we access it? So that's what we're going to do. So again, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net. Indulge us, Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous 
and throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. The kingdom of heaven, it's polarizing to us. It's polarizing to us. But it's not to God. The kingdom of heaven, it doesn't take the shape of our own personal opinions or the things that we think about it. It takes the shape of the owner himself, of God. This is God's house. This is God's kingdom. So what God tells us, how we access the kingdom of heaven, is how it goes. No matter how much we want to write the rules or anything like that, God tells us. So we need to understand who God is. We need to understand what he says. Understand who he is and what he says. So to start, I want you to look at this picture up here, and I want you to tell me, what color is this dress? Seriously, tell me. Black, blue, anything else? There was gold at one point. Guys, we're all looking at the same dress, are we not? But we see different colors. How is that? We see different colors, and that's how this scripture is today. We're all looking at the same scripture. Go back to the scripture. We all see the same scripture, but there's two ways we can look at it. Both are true of God, but only one of them is actually going to be a reality for us. Both are true of God, but only one of them is actually going to be a reality for us. So these two views of God, we're going to look at these. The first one is God's judgment. God is a judge. You know, these are the scriptures that we avoid. You know, as we're perusing through the scriptures, we avoid these scriptures. These are hard scriptures. These are hard sayings from Jesus. These are the scriptures that we're disgusted by. And many people, they stop reading scripture because they don't want to confront these kinds of scriptures. But when we can approach these scriptures in humility and with soft hearts, we can understand who God is and how he sees things. It's a benefit to us. It's a benefit to us. So this dragnet, I've got this awesome aquarium net from Tom Leopold over here. A dragnet is basically this huge net that is attached to two boats, and it's going through the Sea of Galilee, and it's just collecting all kinds of fish, just tons of fish. And then the fishermen, they go over to the shore, they finish catching the fish, they go out to the shore, and they just begin separating the fish. Like, it's so simple. <laughs> Leave it to Jesus. Guys, this is so simple. And this is what the end of the age is going to be like. They're going to be separating the good fish from the bad fish, you know? Good fish. Bad fish. Good catch. Wow. That was amazing. Those are bad fish throwing out there. Good fish. Good fish. Jesus is going to be looking at us and making a separation. The good from the bad, the evil from the righteous. The evil from the righteous. 
So God, and this separation from the evil and the righteous, so what, what makes us evil? What makes us evil? We need to understand this. What is going to separate the evil from the righteous? God has a general sweeping love over all of his creation. He has a general sweeping love over all of his people that he's created. But, but, a big but, he cannot look past sin. He cannot do it. He can't look past our sin. Sin is detestable to God. Sin makes us evil in the sight of God. Guys, it doesn't mix with God's holiness at all. Sin does not mix with God's holiness. And see, this is what God sees. When I really wanted to just have like an encompassing view of sin, I went to all the scriptures of the things that Paul said about, you know, he, he often gave these sin lists, these lists of sins, and this isn't even it. This is, this is what Paul gives the, the churches that he, write, he writes his letters to, and I just kind of put it all into one. And Paul shares with the churches these, these, these sins. Just listen, quarreling, quarreling, jealousy, hostility, gossip, conceit, disorder, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, covetousness, selfish ambition, wrath, malice, and obscene talk, and lying. Now to the world, these, this is disease, or these are mistakes. To God, this is sin. This is a sinful condition in our hearts. This is not what we were made to be. This is not what we were made to be. God created us for holiness. He created us for good and for perfection, for unity and for love. This is not what we were created to be. When I look back at my life, I can just go check, 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 check. Even today, I can check some of these. Even today. I'm not Mr. Big Shot up here, Mr. Pastor, Mr. Preacher. I have sin too. Just like everybody else in here does. Check. Just one check. Just one check creates a debt to God that we cannot pay. We cannot pay this debt that just one check creates with God. See, guys, it's more than just sin. It's not like I sinned, and it's more than that. It's, it's sin against God. God created you to be in harmony with him. He created you for him. So when you sin, you're sinning against him. When you sin... You're stealing your heart away from him. He created you for him. He owns you. And he loves you. But when we persist in sin, when we persist in sin, we're stealing our heart and ourself away from God. You know, sin is so deeply woven in the fabric of who we are. And 
what I've learned is, guys, you, you can be all Bill Gates on the world, give all the money to charity you can, and get all Leonardo DiCaprio on the environment. Good things. Good things. It doesn't matter when it comes to the things of salvation. It does not matter. Those things don't reconcile our sin. We need a reconciliation of our sin. Something has to be done about our sin. Something. And no matter what we do, any kind of good that we try to do, God loves the work that we do, but we hates the work. he hates the work that we do to attain salvation and gain his favor. He hates that. He detests that kind of work. It's a spit in his face. You think you can do this? <laughs> do you have any idea how holy I am <laughs> and how perfect that I am? When our sin is unreconciled, it reigns in our lives. And we're either a part of the kingdom of God or we're a part of the kingdom of Satan. When sin and Satan reigns in our lives, look at the world. Mine. Don't you see the, the battle, the, the, war, the, the warfare, the spiritual warfare? It's real. Look at your own families. Whatever you got going on in your families. Don't you see the sin? Don't you see the evil that's happening? The spiritual warfare in our own families? It's ugly. Guys, and when our sin is not reconciled, it condemns us. It condemns us. So what's the other way that we can see here in the Scripture? The other way we can look at this same Scripture, right? So we see the judgment. We see the judgment, Pastor Keith. Do you guys see the grace? The, pres- the preservation of fish. The fishermen are preserving fish. Do you see the grace in the Scripture? Guys, we have... Don't miss the grace. We should be condemned. We should have no opportunity at the love of God, at the grace of God. We should have no opportunity at salvation. And yet God has made a way for us to Him. He has made a way for us to be righteous, to be right in God's eyes. Our sin is so serious. Even I sometimes forget this. I need to be reminded how serious sin is. Our sin is so serious, a death has to occur for it to be reconciled, for it to be forgiven, like an actual death. Somebody has to die for my sin. (laughs) That's heavy. And not only this, add on top of sin is so serious It's so serious, not any death can reconcile us to God. Our sin is so serious, the death of God himself, the death of holiness, the death of perfection has to die for our sin. That's how serious that our sin is. Sin is so sticky. It's a stain that just can't be removed by nothing other than nothing other than yes 
the blood of Jesus. Thank you. Somebody's theology is good. Thank you. That deserves an applause. Guys, what can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Thank you. Amazing grace. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Not ourselves or our own doing, but the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is where it all comes together. God's judgment and His grace come together on the cross. This is where the, the paths cross. Guys, look at 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. We're all seeing the word of the cross. We're all seeing the same cross, and, and we're seeing, we have the word, we have the word of the cross. It's the same thing. We're all seeing it, but it's different to different people. It's either folly or it's the power of God. It's either folly or it's the power of God. Being a keeper in the eyes of God has nothing to do with rules or anything. It's a simple matter of grace. It's that simple. Why do we have to complicate things? Guys, I broke all of the rules with my girlfriend at the time and my now wife. I broke all the rules when courting my wife in Georgia. My wife had every reason to just be like, next! But instead, she whispers in her heart, Grace. I still don't give her a lot of reason to to love me and be with me. Just grace. Amazing grace. Some of us go through our entire lives learning the rules inside of the house. Learning the rules inside of the house and how to act like a Christian. But we never actually learn and accept the truth outside of the house to even get into the house in the first place and how to become a Christian. How to become righteous in God's eyes. By grace through faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are preserved. We're preserved by faith, by grace through faith, preserved. Righteous, 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 righteous. Guys, faith, it's not just believing that Jesus, it's not faith, it's not just believing that he died or that he existed. It's not even just believing that he was crucified historically. Faith, saving faith is believing that you have sin and something has to be done about it and that Christ on the cross shed his blood and made that payment for us. He took our place on the cross. He took the place on the cross that we deserved so we could become righteous in God's eyes. That's what faith is. And we either have faith or we don't have faith. And each one brings a different truth into our lives and into our eternity. 
You see, the cross, it doesn't discriminate. You know, this net that they bring through the Sea of Galilee, they say that the Sea of Galilee has like 20 to 30 different kinds of fish. That net is bringing everybody in. Everybody in. And it doesn't matter what kind of a fish they are. They're either good or they're bad. They're getting cast away or they're being preserved. It does not matter. God, see, he doesn't divide us. Black, white. That's not how he sees things. Black and white, rich and poor, democratic and republican. And we do a really good job of that. The way God sees things. The way he sees things, you're either washed and covered in the blood of Jesus or you're not. That's how he sees things. Jesus said in chapter 12, just before these scriptures that we've been going over, in chapter 12, Jesus said, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Whoever is not with me is against me. There's no middle ground here. You are with me, or you are against me. You're the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan. There's no middle position. There's no purgatory. There's no neutral position here. If you're not in the kingdom of God, the only other option is the kingdom of Satan. You are either with me or you're against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. If you are, you are righteous. And if you are not, you are evil and against him. That's a hard truth. You're evil. God loves you. But with unreconciled sin, you're evil. Sin is evil to him. He cannot look past it. As I was going through this sermon and, and preparing, there's so many scriptures that the whole, all the Bible points to this. As you read through the scriptures, that we can't do anything on our own to achieve salvation and, and, and to be in the graces of God and be right in his eyes and to be righteous. And I had a hard time like just picking a scripture like, God, there's so much to use. It all points to that. I don't know what to do. And God, I feel like, is just telling me, dude, relax. Don't worry about your decision and your wisdom. You, everything you've got is okay. Just pick something. And I'll do the rest. So I just picked Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 25. And I'm just going to let God just take this. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody. We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. You know, we can paint God in any way we desire. He gives us that freedom. I don't know how He does that. Because we just, we kill Him, we blaspheme Him, we curse Him, and yet He allows us to do that. But no matter how we paint him, we cannot change him. We can't change these truths about God. We can ignore them. We can push them aside. 
It doesn't make them go away. God is who he is. He still, it, it, his character still exists. He's still there. And we're going to have to come face to face to him one day. We can't get away from that. If you're reading the scripture carefully, you're weighing and considering the judgment. You're seeing that. But you can't miss the grace. You cannot miss the grace. We can perceive these scriptures in two ways. Both are true of God. Both. They're true of God, but only one of them is going to be an actuality. One of them is going to be a reality for us. And we cannot get away from that. The word of the cross is the same message for everybody. But it's folly to some, and it's going to be the power of God for others. And that's where we have to make a choice. We have to face this truth. Your Bible may be on your shelf collecting dust in there, and you're just ignoring it. But it's still there. It's still there. It's not going away. At the end of our lives, I think, I think we all want to be able to say, I'm a keeper. Right? Don't we not? We all want to be able to say that. But what happens is somewhere in the middle, things just get distorted. Because of sin, our frequency with God just gets all messed up. And we start devising our own plans and making up our own rules and never even taking into account what God says. And never understanding who God is and how he sees things and what his word is. That's the pride of life. We can escape judgment, but it's only by riding on the wave of grace by faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we escape judgment. It's the only option. So when Jesus tells us this parable, guys, this is truth. Grace. Guilty. I don't literally mean that you're guilty. I'm just throwing in that people. Grace. Guilty. Grace. 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 Don't you want to be preserved? Grace. 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 I could go all day with that. Guys, do you guys understand these things? Do you understand this? I'm not asking you. Literally, Jesus is. Have you understood all these things? Like, he's so plain and simple. Have you understood these things? And the disciples, they said to him, yes. Yes, we do. And then he says, and he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, they've been trained now for the kingdom of heaven, is like a master of a house. God, he, be, he makes us masters of his house. And, and we bring out of his treasure what is new and what is old. We're now supposed to take this treasure. This is a treasure, this truth. And we're to tell people about it and share with them the love of God and the grace of God. And we're supposed to share with them the judgment. God is judge. Man, guys, we got some baptisms today. So we're going to do some baptisms. We got this tub here filled with warm water. So don't worry about being cold. And uh, before we start, uh, let me say a word of prayer for the baptisms. And uh, let's pray. God, uh, thank you, Lord, for um, just your word, uh, that we can come to it and approach it in humility, 
uh, but also in confidence and, and know that it's truth and that it speaks to us, Lord, that it speaks truths to us. And God, we, I know what we're about to see in these baptisms is just a symbol of what has happened in the hearts of these people um, as they grow in their faith. Uh, at some point in their past, they made a choice. They made that choice, Lord. Uh, they put their faith and trust in you um, for the forgiveness of their sins, God. And now they can be in a, in a growing, uh, budding relationship uh, with you, Lord. And they have salvation, Lord. And this is just a symbol, Lord, of, of the washing away of their sins. That's what baptism is. And God, we thank you for this. Uh, thank you for your commandment to do this, Lord, and that these uh, two people uh, have been obedient um, in their walk, and they're taking this step of faith. Uh, Lord, we thank you, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.